Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Crossover Across Time podcast for our Tuesday edition for week 20. That's February 28th of 2023, last day of February going into March uh, as we get further along in the season, closer to the end of the season. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, yeah, very exciting time. Let's go ahead and just jump right into it. We mentioned last time we'll do our normal um, scheduled show as far as summarizing last night's games, talking through the latest news, and then we will have uh, a discussion about the awards races and where things stand in that discussion as far as MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, Rookie of the Year, and uh, all the others. So let's waste no more time, get right into it with the games. We only had four games last night, so this shouldn't take us too long. Firstly, the Charlotte Hornets win at home against the Detroit Pistons, 117 to 106. Uh, there's kind of a caveat to this game, but we'll talk about that in just a moment with our key news. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, yeah, they, they did not have LaMelo ball for the full game. Uh, but once they took a lead in that first quarter, they held on to the lead. The Pistons made it interesting in the fourth quarter, but the Hornets still able to get the win. That was their fifth straight victory. Uh, kind of a surprise win streak for one of the, uh, teams that's struggling a little bit more in the NBA. Um, for the Pistons, they were led by, uh, James Wiseman, who got the start in place of Jalen Duran and Isaiah Stewart. Both of them are, are resting. Uh, they've had some injuries. Uh, so 23 points, seven rebounds for James Wiseman, 23 points off the bench for Hamadou Diallo, 21 and 12 off the bench for Marvin Bagley, the third, uh, 17 for Alec Burks, 12 for Killian Hayes, along with 10 assists. Um, of course, the Hornets, just a little bit stronger team on this occasion, 22 from Terry Rozier. 18.6 rebounds, 5 assists for LaMelo Ball in 20 minutes. Again, he left early in this game. 19 points for Gordon Hayward. 18 off the bench for Kelly Oubre Jr. Good to see him back in the lineup. Uh, Mark Williams, 15 points, 11 rebounds. Uh, still a stout presence inside their rookie center. So uh, good good win for the Hornets. They keep up the win streak. But again, we'll have, uh, there's kind of some some bad good news, bad news with that game. Uh, let's jump to that next game, though. The Miami Heat winning in... Philadelphia against the 76ers, 101-99, to very close game. Um, and it looked like it was down to the wire, potentially kind of last few plays uh, deciding this game. Philly had a few leads in the first and fourth quarters. Miami held the biggest leads, uh, but was within a few possessions in those last minutes. Um, as I said, for the Sixers, it was Joel Embiid uh, and James Harden. And that's kind of what you expect with Tyrese Maxey adding some scoring. All three of those guys had 20 or more points. Embiid with 27, Maxey with 23, Harden with 20. Uh, Embiid also had 12 rebounds uh, and a block. Harden with 12 assists and uh, kind of par for the course. Not a great wealth of scoring outside of those three, which potentially hampered their efforts against the Heat. The Heat led by Jimmy Butler, 23 points, 11 rebounds, 9 assists, and 4 steals. Nearly a triple-double along with the defensive uh, defensive numbers. Um, 14 points for Gabe Vincent starting at point guard. 13 each for Bam Adebayo and Max Struess. And uh, Struess's points coming off the bench along with Victor Oladipo. He had 11 um, he just a little bit more well uh, spread out with their scoring, able to get that win against the Sixers, kind of a tough loss for Philly. Uh, next, this was a big win for New York. The New York Knicks winning at home against the Boston Celtics, still the top team record-wise in the Eastern Conference, or maybe the, the Bucs have uh, superseded them. I, I don't know this. Let's, let's check that right now. Why don't I check that? Um, yes, 
winning percentage wise, the Bucks have now overtaken the Celtics, but the Celtics have one more win and one more loss. So those two are right next to each other. Uh, Bucks seven one seven win percentage, Celtics seven one zero win percentage. So very close. So a big loss for the Celtics and a big win for New York to get a win like that against one of the, arguably the best team in the East uh, and keep their win streak going. So. Yeah, in this game, I, I watched. I did watch through some of the highlights from this one, and the Knicks, uh, they held a solid lead throughout. They didn't really give it up. Celtics kept it competitive, but the Knicks did not really uh, relinquish the lead at any point. They kept playing their game, and uh, credit to them to get the win in this one. Uh, for the Celtics, their leading scorer was Malcolm Brogdon off the bench with 22 points. Uh, Marcus Smart had 19 in that starting lineup. Uh, Horford and White combined for 26. They had 13 each. And then Jason Tatum with 14, kind of an off offensive game for him. One of nine from three-point range, six of 18 from the floor. That's pretty tough for them to overcome. Meanwhile, for New York, 23 each for Emmanuel Quickly off the bench and Julius Randle in the starting lineup, of course. Mitchell Robinson back for the Knicks. 10 points, 13 rebounds, two steals, two blocks. His defensive presence will be a huge uh thing to have back for this team 17 points for Jalen Brunson uh, 12 off the bench for Josh Hart as well as the Knicks get that win against the Celtics and finally the Orlando Magic win in New Orleans against the Pelicans 101 to 93 uh, holding off a bit of a late push by the Pelicans Uh, it was fairly competitive throughout though that it was only a few moments that the Magic held a lead of 10 or more points. Otherwise, it was within 10 points. Uh, midway through the first, fourth quarter, it was tied a few different occasions, and then the Magic still able to get that win against the, the reeling Pelicans. Uh, still without Zion Williamson, it's it's still something they're trying to figure out how to overcome. Uh, for the Pelicans, Brandon Ingram is doing what he can in Zion's wake, 25 points, 6 rebounds, 5 assists. Uh, 18 points for CJ McCollum, 10 points for Herb, Herb Jones. Those are the only double-figure scores for the Pelicans. Uh, for the Magic, meanwhile, Paolo Bancaro steps back up. He had an off last few games, so it's good to see him back with a strong game. 29 points, 8 rebounds, 4 assists. Uh, very solid all-around game. 14 each for Markel Fultz and 14 for Maurice Wagner off the bench. Uh 11 each as well for Wendell Carter Jr. and Franz Wagner. 11 rebounds as well for Wendell Carter Jr. as the Magic get that win. So those were the four games from last night's action. Uh, let's go ahead and just jump right into the next part, our key news. Um, there's a few things that are pretty devastating, uh, league-wide, team-specific. Uh, the big thing uh, for the Lakers, LeBron James is going to be reevaluated in two weeks. He will not play during that time Uh and the timetable for his return is likely going to be longer than those two weeks. Uh, and that some of it depends on how well the team's doing, but this is all with that right foot injury. Um, we mentioned it on last show, how he, you know, could have made that injury a little bit more severe. He's been dealing with some foot issues for the last several weeks. Um, he reported hearing a pop. He mentioned that to his teammates uh, during the third quarter of that game. And I think it was maybe an hour or two after we had finished up yesterday's episode that I got, you know, the ESPN notification saying, um, oh, yeah, LeBron's going to miss some more time uh, with that foot injury. So definitely devastating news. Um, Wish him the best in recovering from that. 
And we also wish this guy the best, too. We mentioned that Hornets game. Uh, LaMelo Ball suffered a fracture in his right ankle Monday versus Detroit. Um, I believe this is the same ankle that has caused him uh, plenty of trouble this season. He's missed plenty of time already, tried to play, and hasn't been able to with ankle sprains, different ankle injuries. Now he's fractured that at right ankle again. That was Monday versus Detroit. Uh, the reports, many reports are saying that he will miss the rest of the season. Um, at this point with the the season in a, a tough spot, the time that he's missed already, it's probably in the best interest long-term for him to, to, to rest, rehab that and come back strong for the next season. That makes sense, but still dev- devastating for those Hornets fans uh, and the Hornets as a team. So uh, for Lamelo, as well as uh, LeBron, and both of those teams, both both teams, uh, the teammates involved, the, the fan bases, wishing these guys the best in their recovery from their respective injuries, and just definitely devastating news to hear about. Um, <clears throat> if we want to go in the positive direction as far as returns from injury, it looks like we talked about it was likely that Kevin Durant would debut Wednesday, but the Suns have kind of confirmed that Kevin Durant will make his debut for the Phoenix Suns tomorrow in Charlotte against the Hornets. So, um, you know, long awaited debut. Of course he was traded there uh, just right about the trade deadline, which is two or three weeks ago. So he's been waiting. He had missed several weeks before that uh, with that injury during his time with the Nets, of course. So it's very anticipated for him to make his debut. So that's exciting news. Um, finally, we have some transactional notes. Firstly, the Chicago Bulls have waived guard Goran Dragic. Kind of an interesting move. Um, I think he's, it seems like he's maybe had a, a downturn in his productiveness and his level of play. So perhaps they, either they, they feel like he's not a long-term solution or they want to give him a chance to join a team where he's, the team is maybe a little bit more competitive this season. Of course, Chicago's had their struggles, so uh, it's something worth noting. Toronto, they will be signing uh, free agent Will Barton. Uh, he'll be signing with the Raptors, and because he's signing there, he'll stand, sign to a standard contract. They are going to waive uh, Wancho, Hearn, and Gomez to clear up that roster spot. Um, if you remember, Will Barton was released or bought out within the last week or two by the Washington Wizards. He had played there this season uh, after the offseason trade with the Nuggets brought him to Washington. But now he was bought out within the last week or so. Now he's signing with Toronto. Wancho Hernan Gomez now becomes a free agent. Uh, so there's some intrigue there as well. Uh, finally, some smaller transactions. Uh, the New York Knicks have signed Dwayne Washington Jr. to a two-way contract to fill up uh, the spot that was cleared. I think they might've converted a contract to clear that spot. Uh, so congr- congratulations, Dwayne Washington Jr. He had had some productive moments. I'm glad to see him back. Uh, the Rockets signed center Willie Cauley-Stein to a 10-day contract. Uh, that's also kind of a good one. He's been productive in different moments, kind of faded out of you know ro- teams' rotations. Good to see him get a chance uh, with the team again in the NBA. Again, a 10-day contract. Then finally, the Oklahoma City Thunder have signed forward Lindy Waters III to a standard rest-of-season contract, which is interesting. I don't think he's played with them up to this point in the season. He's been on the roster in the pa- in past seasons. I know that much, um, but he's there, so congratulations to him. And that takes care of the bulk of our key news for uh, this week's or today's show, rather. Uh, So let's jump into that last part. The main part of the Tuesday show, our award race discussion. 
<clears throat> excuse me. We'd mentioned in the past that we have we've kind of pushed this off because of the well All Star Weekend, but also doing it every week. Um, it felt like we were forcing the conversation at times, even though there wasn't too much new to update. And in some senses, that's still true as far as there's not a ton of change. But there's some intrigue uh, with recent developments. <clears throat> if you remember that episode where I made my predictions for what who I thought would end up winning these awards at the end of the season, that not necessarily who I thought was most deserving, but who I thought would win. I had Jaron Jackson Jr. winning this season's Defensive Player of the Year. And I think that's still very much in play, but him missing time has been a factor. And it's also been a factor with the Grizzlies um, not being quite as hot as they have been up to this point, up to, you know, that point a few weeks ago in the season. So that's something worth considering. Regardless, he's, at, you know, if if games, total games played did not, limit him from being considered for league leaders in statistical categories. He would be leading the league in blocks per game. Um, he might have crossed that threshold anyways. He might have played enough games uh, to, you know, disregard that argument, I guess, or to to make sure that he counts as far as league averages. But, yeah, leading the league in blocks per game. Uh, he's getting some steals, too. He's long, athletic versatile able to switch so you know it's probably still a good pick there uh still a leader brooke lopez has been doing stellar especially in Giannis's absence filling in some of those gaps uh specifically inside you know still blocking shots getting some steals you know working hard on the rebounds filling in where Giannis has kind of missed the defensive player of the year you know, or or most improved, the conversation around Nick Claxton has quieted down simply because he's not getting as much attention. Simply, be, and then that's simply because he hasn't had the same star caliber or box office appeal of teammates. You know, we we were paying attention a lot to what Nick Claxton was doing um, because he was playing alongside Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, and those guys are both gone from the Nets, and now people are going to naturally you know, for no fault of his own, be paying less attention to what Nick, Nick Claxton's doing. Uh, but he's still, you know, a top five or six guy in blocks per game in the NBA right now, uh, grabbing rebounds, the length and, and versatility similar to a Jaron Jackson, but maybe even a little bit more athletic, a little more mobile. It's a good name. Uh, OG Ananobi, at one point, his name was very high up, but him and Anthony Davis with time games they've missed, they've fallen out of, you know, this conversation and most people don't have Anthony Davis in the defensive player of the year conversation anyways, but I put him in there cause I would like to see him get that recognition. Um, so that, excuse me, that being said, defensive player of the year has kind of narrowed down to more of your three horse race. your three inside defensive presences, Jaron Jackson, Brooke Lopez, Nick Claxton. That's probably your mix right now. As far as the MVP, um, you know, people were honing in on Jokic earlier in the season. They've honed in on Jason Tatum. Joel Embiid has gotten his fair share of discussion. There's been a week or two where Giannis has gotten in the mix. Luka was also an early pick. I feel like, especially with the way the conversation's gone, the kind of ambiguity as far as a consensus pick for MVP, There's it's a lot more, a lot less clear than it has been at various points in the season. When we made the predictions, I thought that Jokic would be a solid 
prediction of who might get the award, get the MVP. And his averages this season are still very good. The Nuggets are playing very well. But it's not as hot of a stretch as he had for a while there. About a month ago, he was on a, you know, a tear. The Nuggets are still winning, but they've, you know, they're not tearing up the West as much as they were in the past. And, you know, Giannis is probably, his name has been hurt in this race because of, you know, just injury troubles. But Tatum's name gets more pull uh, because the Celtics continue to play well. He's he's put him, putting up great numbers. Embiid gets a little more pull, maybe. So Jokic probably still a front runner, but Tatum and Embiid are very close behind. Um, Luca, you maybe throw him in the mix if the Mavericks start to string wins together and move up in the West. Um, but that's kind of your group there. I'd say three, maybe four guys are starting to pull away from the rest, either due to um, consistent play or injury troubles, team struggles, things of that nature. Um, with rookie of the year, this one's kind of a broken record. It's still Paolo Bancaro's rec- race to lose, but the gap has closed. Early in the season, Bancaro was easily averaging 21, 22 points per game. Now he's averaging more like 19 points a game, which he's, he's still doing very good. And I'd say he's just still the number one pick, but the gap is closing between him Matherin, Jaden Ivey a little bit. So there's some intrigue, but it's still Palo Bencaro's race to lose. Most Improved has a lot of intrigue as well. I think there's a lot of possibilities here. Uh, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Larry Markinen, um, you know, Nick Claxton gets some some conversation there, Anthony Simons. Um, you know, there's a lot. And there's some guys in, you know, you could maybe even throw Donovan Mitchell in there, especially what he's doing early in the season compared to his prior seasons with the jazz. But the, that usually doesn't get as much pull. I would be willing to bet it's either Shea Gilgis Alexander or Larry Markkinen at this point. I feel, I'd feel pretty good about either of those two guys winning it. Then sixth man of the year. I had picked Westbrook because I liked what he was doing with the Lakers off the bench now that he's with the Clippers and he's starting games, he's probably going to be taken out of that conversation. And, um, oh, it's tough. For some reason, I feel like the fact that Rook- Benedict Matherin is a rookie, I feel like that's going to detract from his six-man-a-year conversation, even though that doesn't really make a lot of sense. It makes sense in my head for some reason. So I feel like the voters are going to go between either Norman Powell or Malcolm Brogdon. That's just kind of what I'm feeling. So, and if I had to pick one of any of these guys at this point, it would probably be Brogdon. Uh, Powell's scoring a little more, or was scoring more. It might be a little closer now, but Brogdon has been very consistent. He's doing it for a winning team. Uh, you know, Powell is too, not to the same extent. Um, but... Brogdon has a little bit more uh, than just the scoring. He also gets a little bit of the the rebounding and the playmaking in there. So, But I don't know. Either of those guys, I think, would be your picks. And then finally, Coach of the Year. Um, I, feel like, I feel like Mike Brown's really making a case. He's probably my pick right now. Um, you know, Michael Malone is still kind of in the mix. Joe Mazzula, those are the team, coaches of the two best teams, along with Mike Budenholzer, but Budenholzer's already won it, so that's kind of that kind of hurts his chances uh, in this race. 
Bickerstaff could be a, a name, Tom Thibodeau, especially with the run the Knicks are going on. You'd probably have Mike Brown and Tom Thibodeau uh, as two of your top three, and that's what it's looking like right now. Um, outside of that, there's, like I said, there's some changes, you know, and we've kind of run through where these races are all sitting at. Name, there's a lot of the names that are the same. Some names have kind of taken been taken out of the running. Some new names have joined the race. And so there's some intrigue, and we will keep an eye on this. We'll have, you know, some more different ways to talk about it as the weeks go on and we get towards the point in the season where these awards, awards will be finalized. Um, but regardless, that's kind of where things stand now. Very interesting, and I'm, I'm excited to see where this the, the races for all these events go uh, in the near future. With that being said, that takes care of our award chase discussion and uh, the the bulk of our show today. I'll go ahead and give you our this day in history fact to wrap things up. Uh, so February 28th, we're going back to 1967. Wilt Chamberlain missed his first field goal in four games to end his NBA record shooting streak of 35 consecutive field goals during Philadelphia's 127 to 107 victory over Cincinnati at Syracuse. 35 straight field goals, even for a player like Wilt Chamberlain, who was a post specialist, a post scorer, he would hit a mid-range fade. He actually had a little bit more offensive versatility than people might think. But even for a post-centric player to hit 35 straight field goals, that's unbelievable. you know. And maybe you attribute it to, well, a lot of those were, were layups or dunks or whatever. Maybe some of that's true, but still, 35 straight of any type of shot, 35 straight layups is still impressive to me. So, you know, just one of those additional building the mythos of Wilt Chamberlain. You know, you have to recognize that. Uh, side note, 67, that would have been the year that Chamberlain won the championship with Philadelphia 76ers. Um, so just a, something to worth note, worth noting there. Of course, he was he was still one of the best in the league then, but he also helped uh kind of calm a lot of the conversation around him being a quote-unquote loser for much of his career. So anyways, just kind of a side note with that fact. But with that, we'll go ahead and wrap things up. Thank you all again for listening. We appreciate the support on the show. Uh, if you'd like to uh, support the show in other ways than just listening, you can also check out the Instagram page. That's crossover across time, all one word on Instagram. Uh, we share content from the show, but we also share content from across the NBA, like content, things like that. Um, so definitely check that out if you're interested. Uh, feel free to share the podcast with friends, family. Uh, we we definitely appreciate it. Um, but thank you all again for listening. And we'll be back with you tomorrow with Justin on the line. We'll do our, our game summaries, key news, uh, get into kind of the uh, playoff preview type conversation along with our weekly predictions. So uh, thanks again, and we'll be back with you then.